the name of Jesus. Grab your Bibles. We want, I've got a thought that I want to share with you today. And because I forget to look back there on that wall, y'all need a, y'all need a clock that stands out. That one blends in. Y'all need like a big red and black and yellow and green flashing clock back there. <laughs> uh, but I've got a thought I want to share with you today. How many want to hear a word from the Lord this morning? Amen. I've, I came to share a word uh, with you from the Lord. I believe that God is doing some great things in the earth today. How many believe that God is pouring out his spirit on all flesh? No, just America. Just the South. No, Africa. Is he pouring it out all over the place? How many believe he's pouring out his spirit in Cleveland, Tennessee today? Amen. Do you believe that? Do you believe that's a promise? I want to tell you today, that is not a, that is not a uh, suggestion. That's not a, that is a promise. God said, I will pour out my spirit. How many know it's up to you to get it? If he's pouring it out, it's up to you to get it. My dad calls it the spout where the glory comes out. How many ever heard that? My dad's like, I want to get under the spout where the glory comes out. If he's pouring out his spirit on all flesh, how much flesh we got here? Come on, how many's in their flesh? I'm not talking about the carnal flesh. I'm just talking about you're living in the flesh, right? Come on, pinch that person next to you. You'll see them get in the flesh real quick, amen? <laughs> if you are in the flesh and you're breathing, God is pouring out his spirit on you today, amen? Some of you need to get, you know, that you can get a mirror and hold under somebody's nose and the mirror fogs up if they're breathing. How many's breathing this morning? Some of you need to notify the person next to you that they're alive. Come on. <laughs> Amen. God is pouring out his spirit on all flesh. I believe that God has given me a thought here that just a, uh, something that really excited me uh, when, when the Lord, when I went and just saw it in the Word. How many know there's so much in the Word, you could read the same thing 40 times and get 40 different, uh, you know, angles on what the Holy Spirit wants to give? That's why it always is to me it's always amusing to see people in the world you know they have all these talking heads on these uh news shows and on the and it's always amusing to me to see people from the world giving their opinion on a book they know nothing about how many know it's 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 not it's not naturally understood thank you pastor todd it's not naturally understood it's spiritually understood amen and uh, so when you you see people getting up uh, I remember hearing something back a couple of years ago about our president before he was president criticized the Bible by saying, well, they also were killing in the Old Testament. That don't mean we're supposed to follow that, does it? Well, of course not. You've got to rightly divide the word of, of truth. Amen. And you don't take one thing out and say, well, then, well, that's, you know, I believe God has got so much in this word. How many know if you want a good reality show, read the Old Testament? Amen. If you want drama, read the Old Testament. If you're looking for some exciting reading, Harlequin romances, you know, my mom used to read Harlequin romances. I was like, what in the world? If you want romance, read the Bible. I mean, amen. Me and we, we embarrassed everybody at our wedding. We had the, the maid, what do they call them? The, the matron of honor. Is that what they call them? The, the best man and the maid of honor. Okay. And we had them read Song of Solomon as all everybody walked down the aisle 
and and there was parts of it where uh, it was uh, Shanna's sister. She said, "I'm not reading that." <laughs> I said, "That's in the Bible. Read it." You know, I mean, if if you want good stuff, read the Bible. Amen. Read the Bible. Look at somebody next to you and say, "Read the Bible." Amen. Hallelujah. Turn to Joel chapter two. I've got a thought I want to share with you in Joel chapter two. How many want to get in on the pouring out? Joel chapter 2, let's start reading with verse 21 in Joel chapter 2. Fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice, for the Lord will do great things. There's a good promise right there. The Lord will do great things. Amen. How many can how many will go this week just declaring to yourself on the on the way to work? The Lord is going to do great things. On your way home, on your way to school, the Lord will do great things. In college, the Lord will do great things. There's your good confession for the week. Amen. Be not afraid, you beast of the field, for the pastures of the wilderness do spring. For the tree beareth her fruit, the fig tree and the vine do yield their strength. Be glad then, you children of Zion. How many children of Zion have we got here this morning? Amen. Be glad, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. For he has given you the former rain moderately, and he will cause to come down uh, you the rain, the former rain and the latter, and the latter rain in the first month. Verse 24, and the floors shall be full of wheat. And the vats shall overflow with wine and oil. Verse 25 is my text. And I will restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten, the canker worm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm. My great army, everybody say his great army. He said, my great army, which I sent among you. And I've got to read uh, verse 26 just because it sounds so good. And you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. Everybody say satisfied. We know Mick Jagger has never been to the fountain. Amen. Because he spent all his life singing, I can't get no satisfaction. I've tried. And I've tried. How many know that's the mantra of the world, right? And I've tried. And I've tried. And then what does he say? I can't get no. Well, how many know the Bible says you can be satisfied? Amen. With money and with things money cannot buy. How many know God wants to satisfy you today? He wants to satisfy that longing or that need on the inside. Amen. Look at somebody and say, he wants to satisfy you today. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God that hath dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be ashamed man isn't that isn't that a good promise isn't that a good promise i want to focus well we're going to jump all over the place a little bit but i want to focus and use as a launch pad and as an ending landing strip i guess the verse 25 that says i will restore you how many believe that's a promise today i will restore you come on lift up your hands right now that's a promise. I want, I want us to claim that promise today. I believe by the time that we get through, if the Holy Spirit will help me, I believe that God can do that in the service today before you leave. How many believe that restoration is a promise from God? 
Let me tell you something. I don't believe it's progressive. I believe it's something we release our faith to and we begin to walk in. We can begin to walk in from this day forward. Amen? Come on, everybody lift up your hands in this place. Come on, claim it right now. Say, God, I want that restoration. I want everything in my life restored. Everything the enemy has stolen, I want it restored today. The blessings, Father, the opportunities, everything, Lord. I believe your word today, Father, that you want to restore us, Father. Take this word today, Lord, and make it come alive to us, Lord. I believe that your word is a sharp and threshing instrument. It's a sharp and two-edged sword, Father, and let it come down and bring revelation to us today. In the name of Jesus. Everybody said, in the name of Jesus. Come on, give the Lord a praise offering right now. Hallelujah. Come on, slap somebody a high five and tell them, I am being restored today. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. This is a powerful scripture in Joel chapter 2. If you read on down, you'll see a very familiar uh, scripture, you'll see some very familiar verses where it says, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Everybody familiar with those verses, right? Well, what I want to talk about is what happens, what God wants to do in our lives. He says, and it shall come to pass afterward. There is a pouring out that God has been doing, I believe, for the past 2,000 years. He is pouring out his spirit. He didn't say it was going to trickle. I mean, understand. He didn't say, well, I'm going to just turn on the faucet a little bit. Amen. When Jesus died on the cross, it opened up. How many remember the spear that pierced Jesus' side and blood and water flowed? And you've got to be born of the water and you've got to be born of the spirit. Anyone that's in the kingdom of God today is a candidate for his spirit to pour on you. Amen. How many want it today? Come on, you got to shout a little bit to me. How many want it today? Hallelujah. Like Pastor Rhonda said, thank God for the Presbyterians, but they're down the street. Amen. This is a Pentecostal church. Everybody say Pentecostal. Now, the word Pentecostal simply means 50. It's, it's, a, it's a brand that, that a lot of uh, churches have got uh, branded with. It simply means 50. It was a, it was a, it was a Hebrew festival or, or feast that took place 50 days after, uh, really, the uh, Day of Atonement. And the day of Pentecost is simply the Holy Spirit was poured out 50 days after Jesus was crucified on the cross. And that's why it's called Pentecost. It simply means 50. Really what it is is the fullness of the Spirit. Amen? We believe, how many ever heard this? My dad always said, I'm full gospel. How many know what full gospel means? That means we believe the Bible from the, this black cover to the, this black cover. I heard an old preacher say, I even believe the maps, you know, in the back. You know, I, I look through the index and feel the Holy Ghost. Amen. How many know what I'm talking about? We're full gospel. We believe God is pouring out his spirit. Amen. And not just on Sundays. But on Thursday and Tuesday night when you're walking through Walmart and you feel the Holy Ghost over there in the produce aisle, amen? You say, what Holy Ghost are you talking to me? I know what I'm talking about. He's pouring out his spirit. Well, Israel, God was giving this, this prophetic word to Israel through the prophet Joel. But how many know prophecy is layer upon layer? And he, he prophesied to Israel, but it's also spiritual Israel too, amen? And if you're in the kingdom, you're, a, you're part of spiritual Israel. 
Israel had been plagued by natural calamities. Israel was under national judgment. This was a result of their attitude toward God. Can I lay a little bit of a foundation here? Amen. God released. God released. Everybody say God released. God released an invasion of locusts, an army of locusts and canker worms. And I don't want to focus on that. I know that's interesting, but that's not where we're going to focus. But, but just to say that God used these locusts. By the millions, they flew into Israel begin to eat up their harvest a lot of scholars believe that it was talking about natural locusts but there was also was pointing towards different stages of judgment that God used by different kings uh, to come in and attack Israel but it was eating up their harvest worms eaten at the root raping the land the vegetation their harvest it was eating up their harvest anybody ever felt like something was eating up your harvest Israel was in a famine. There was a reason this was happening. It was because Israel became rebellious and sinful. They'd forgotten about God. You know, it's amazing how God uses. One of the things you know about God is when, when someone is as great as God, he's the only someone, but as great as God is, he uses little things. How many know what I'm talking about? God don't, you know, when we, we, we're little, so we want to try to use big things. The bigger, the better. How many know what I'm talking about? But God is so big and God is so grand, he's not, he doesn't have to use big things, he uses little things. It's the little, the Bible says it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. You see, if we paid attention to the details, a lot of the bigger things would take care of themselves, amen? But we're so busy trying to take care of the, the you know, in crisis management so many times, and we're just handling the crisis. If we would stop and take care of the details, some of the bigger things would take care of themselves. It's the little foxes. God uses little things to get our attention. Locusts are little. How many have ever seen a locust? Just a little. When I was a kid, we used to see their, uh, uh, you know, the, their shells hanging is stuck on the sides of trees and things like that you know all over the place the little they're, they're about a they're, I guess they're about an inch maybe an inch and a half long God don't need to use anything big to get our attention right it's amazing you know we think in terms of tanks and guns and how are we going to defeat an enemy and we think about strength and power and might and God thinks about little old bitty things like locusts we think about surface-to-air missiles. God thinks about a little bitty locust. God thinks in terms of little things. You know, when Israel was looking for a deliverer, they wanted some big, even, even, even Peter and James and John, they were looking for this great king. When, they were, when Israel was looking for a deliverer in Egypt, you know, Moses will says, well, who can I tell them that this great conqueror is? It's a little lamb. A lamb? What? I, I'm not supposed to go in there and say the lamb? The lamb? You're gonna you're, you're supposed to release them at I am the lamb? God says, yeah, the little lamb. How many know God don't need anything big? All he needs is someone with some faith to use a little word. You don't need a big word. You don't need to memorize the Bible. You just need a little word. Amen? All, all David needed was a little stone to defeat the giant. He didn't need a big boulder. God just needs somebody with a little word. Just speak the word, the centurion said. Just speak the word healed or be, be gone and the devil will leave. Amen? 
So it's amazing how God can use little things, little locusts. God says, I'll send my army of little old bitty locusts. God is so powerful, he uses little insignificant things to immobilize powerful people and nations. Uh, Matter of fact, our nation probably at this point is being brought to its knees by oil. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? We got all these big cars and big trucks, uh, and they're going to start sitting it's sitting still on the side of the interstate if gas gets to four and five dollars a gallon. Amen. All God has to God. How many know God knows how to get our attention? Amen. Let me hear a big amen. You see, people with money and position and power, all it takes is one little heart to their little heart to skip one little beat, and everything goes into confusion. God knows how to get our attention. And he says right here that he was using famine to get Israel's attention. No food. God was saying to Israel, and I believe he's saying to us as a nation today, you can't eat my bread and drink my water and ignore me. God is saying, I will not be excluded from the picture. So God used famine and lack, and he dried up their resources. You know, nothing gets our attention like running out of money somebody say amen get laid off while the mortgage is due gas like i said going to four dollars a gallon god knows how they said i was watching this morning even sitting in the hotel watching the news some people are saying it may get to five dollars a gallon i was reading in the front of the paper that they a lot of people over 50 percent believe that gas will get to five dollars a gallon by this summer and yet our nation seems absolutely paralyzed to be able to do anything about it. And we're just simply pawns sitting here just wondering how this is all going to play out. How I know God knows? And they're saying, I saw another guy saying, well, we're not sure how the problems are going to be solved. You know, the Bible says that the kings and the leaders of this world will scratch their head in perplexity, wondering what is the answer to the problems of the world. God knows how to get our attention. Amen? Scripture says in the midst of it all, in the midst of this famine, in the midst of no resources, and if you read the famine over here, if you go over there and you read the the, the first first chapter there and the first part of uh, chapter 2, it's a bad famine. It's a terrible famine. I mean, they're selling their daughters and their sons for a piece of bread or something to drink. They're dying. And the Bible says right in the midst of it that Joel, the prophet Joel, stands up and he begins to prophesy. And he says, wait, listen, if God's people, if you read it, we're not going to take time to read it, but he said this, if God's people will fast and pray, he said in verse 12, rend their hearts and call a solemn assembly and return back to God then he says then instead of famine that what God's going to do is he's going to send restoration now this is where it starts getting good so I I started in verse 21 where everything started getting good I didn't I don't want to focus too much on the bad but to say that there's been some negativity that's been going on 
And the Bible says that everybody began to pray. He gave, he, he gave a great discourse that says, if you'll return to God and you'll begin to fast and pray and weep between the porch and the altar and you'll rend your hearts and not your garments. In other words, you'll really have a change of heart on the inside and you won't just go through the motions, but you'll really give your heart and life to God. He says, God will turn this thing around for your good. How many believe God knows how to do it? But the key here was to turn and pray. Everybody say pray. Say prayer works. Prayer is not an exercise in futility. Other religions pray religiously. They talk about the Muslims who pray seven times a day and they carry the, this little rug with them a lot of times and they have to face towards a certain direction. I guess it's... A, wherever Mecca is, you know, and they, they religiously do this. And no matter what they're doing, if they're on the job, they have to have it written into their job that they can stop at whatever time it is. And they get down on their knees like this and they bow their head down to the ground like this and they start going through all of these motions like this. How many know they're praying to a dead God? How many know it's a, some kind of a false representation of a God and there's nobody hearing their prayer? Hindus do the same thing. They sit for, there's, there's been Hindus that have sat in one spot for years and years and years with their arm up like this and they can't even move it anymore because they're praying and they're trying to be religious and their arm atrophies away and it just lays there and they look, they, that is a trophy to them as their religion towards their God. Just false idols and praying to dead gods. Well, there's no, they can't even tell you a prayer that's ever been answered. Oh, but how many know when we pray, the Bible says, if, if my words, uh, if, if his word abides in me and I abide in him, I, I can ask what I will of the Father, and the Bible said it shall be done. The Bible says that God answers prayer if my people, which are called by my name. How many know God answers prayer? How many are a testimony and you can testify that God answers prayer? It is not an exercise in futility to a child of God. The greatest weapon we have against the devil is prayer. You know, in the church, we've became information junkies. We're just like the world. We want information. We, we're glued to our TV sets. We have updates on our phone. Anytime, anytime Fox News comes out with a new report or CNN, boom, we hear our phone make a noise and we whip it out. And oh, can you believe it? This celebrity went to Whole Foods and bought a bag of, 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 of potato chips. We want instant knowledge, don't we? And we've brought that into the church and knowledge. We talk about information and we talk about knowledge. This Greek word and that Greek word and there's great education is great. But let me tell you something. It's prayer that makes the difference in the kingdom of God. It's connecting with the throne of God through prayer. That's when he comes down. When and if my people will begin to call unto me, then I will show myself strong to them. It's prayer that makes the difference. How many of you have a prayer journal? 
and you literally are writing down and keeping track of things that you're praying and answers to prayer or how many have a praise journal how many have specific times you can say I specifically prayed for that and here is the direct result of my prayer we need to begin to keep track so we can remind God and we can remind ourselves when the enemy comes against us and wants to discourage us, we can begin to remind ourselves of the great things that God has done. Lest we forget. In the Old Testament, the children of Israel, God would tell them to build a memorial in a certain spot. And then he would say this, then when your children see that right there, I want you to remind them of everything that I did for you and how that I brought you out of Egypt and how that I delivered you and the great and mighty miracles. I want my children to ask me of great things that God has done and answers to prayer, amen? So what we don't, we don't need more information. We need activation, right? We need to activate our faith. We need to activate the word. What we need is activation in what God has already said in his word. So the Bible says that the children of Israel begin to pray. When they begin to pray, when they begin to seek the Lord, when they begin to ask, you know, the Lord's been speaking to me about the word ask. ASK, you hear a lot about acronyms today. How I many hear a lot about acronyms? And, and everybody wants to use acronyms, acronyms, acronyms. Well, I found an acronym in the Bible. It's called ASK. A-S-K. Look how, look how God did this. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. It's an acronym, A-S-K. If you can't remember the order of it, just A-S-K. God wants us to ask. God is impressed when we ask him for things. When we make a demand on the anointing, when we make a demand on his power, God wants us to ask him. It's, it, it doesn't make, does it make you mad when your children ask you for things? It doesn't make God mad when he wants us to ask. And then he promised what? You will receive. Seek and you will knock and it will be. Well, what we've got to ask, amen. He says you have not because you, you've got to begin to ask. If you don't have, it's because you haven't. You've got to, so you can, come on, it's in that simple. See, y'all are getting it already. God began to say you don't have these things because you haven't asked. You've got to ask God to begin to move in a situation. You've got to ask God to open that door. You've got to ask God for favor. How many want favor? You've got to begin to ask for these things. Oh, that sounds so selfish. No, it doesn't. He is, God is impressed when you believe him for something big and great. Like Pastor was saying a while ago, if it's not impossible, it's not God. I want you to think of some right now that you're going to begin to ask God for, seek God for, and knock on the door, and you're going to keep on asking, seeking, and knocking until it's opened. God is impressed with that. The children of Israel, they, they hearkened to what the prophet Joel said. They said, you know what? We're going to begin to ask God to turn this thing. We're going to begin to ask God to turn this thing around. 
We're going to begin to ask God that instead of famine, turn the famine, turn the lack. Turn the lack of resources. Turn it around, God. God, we know that you've said this, but God, we're asking you to change this situation. We're asking you, God, to change your mind, is what they were saying, because God had already prophesied famine. But yet the prophet Joel stood up and said, wait a minute, God said he'll turn this thing around if somebody will ask him. So they begin to ask. So this is where we begin to read in our text with verse 21. Verse 12 is where he stands up and begins to prophesy and say, if you will begin to ask him, if you'll repent, if you'll turn this thing, if you'll blow the trumpet in Zion and sanctify a fast and call a solemn assembly, then this is where he begins to say, and I love this, where it says, who knows if the, it says, it says, who knoweth if he will return and repent and leave a blessing behind him? Oh, I love that in verse 14 but we pick up in verse 21 where he begins to say all right god's going to turn it around and this is what he begins to say fear not O land and rejoice and then he goes on to say don't be afraid you beast of the field be glad you children of zion so the very first thing that god begins to turn is he begins to say i'm going to bless the land now remember it's been a famine but he says, at this time, I'm going to begin. He says, fear not, O land, in verse 21. He says, I'm going to restore the land. I'm going to restore the animals. Now, I'd love to spend time right here. I'm not going to spend a lot of time right here. But this is talking about livelihood. How many know in the Old Testament, the way that they made their, their living was really off of the land? They were farmers and wheat and harvest and wine and, and the grapes and I mean it was just and the oxen and they the sheep they would sell the wool so they made their living off of the land and they made their living from animals and so the very first thing God says is fear not O land I'm going to restore the land I'm going to restore the animals in other words, what he said is, I'm going to change the atmosphere around you instead of lack and poverty. I'm going to change the atmosphere around you where there's going to be abundant resources and productivity. And that's what he's saying when he says, fear not, O land. In other words, he's saying, I want to cause you to be fruitful. I know I just got through saying famine, but now I'm going to change it, and I'm going to turn it around. I'm going to restore that, and now you're going to be fruitful. How many want to be fruitful? Well, I wish I had the time to talk about how he's concerned about your possessions. How many believe God's concerned about you and your possessions? How many believe that? He is concerned. He promises financial restoration. Everybody say this with me. God cares about my finances. Come on, say it. Say it again. God cares about my finances. And so the word that he gave them was, I am going to restore you economically. I know the enemy's tried to hit you where it hurts, and I know the enemy wants to hit you in your pocketbook, but I want to restore you economically. And I want to give you economic stability. You're not going to want and be in famine forever, for I'm going to restore you. And that's great, and that's wonderful. But then I get to this part over here in verse 25. 
And I don't know about you, Pastor Rhonda, but this verse has always bothered me. Where God says, and I will restore the years. Now this, this is, it's all, I've read this and I was saying, well, God, how can you do that? I've never seen you turn back time for anybody. I know he stopped the sun for Joshua, right? But that's about the only time I've ever seen that. So, and I'd be, I've always questioned this. How will you, Father, restore the years? And I will restore to you the years. You see, that's a promise. I will restore you. That's a promise you can claim. In other words, what he's saying there, I believe, is I will restore the years that you were not productive. I will restore the years. Everybody say years. You see, some people have lost years. There's, you know, you hear that joke about some, some people saying, well, I don't remember the 70s at all, you know. And some people have lost years, years on drugs or years in jail or years in a bad marriage. Years you should have went to school but didn't. Years you, you could have got ahead but you didn't. Years you should have been working but you weren't. And God says, I'm a redemptive God. God is a redeemer. Everybody say redeemer. God is a redeemer. He likes to buy things back. I love that about God. God likes to take old things and make them brand new. God likes to take dead things and make them alive. God likes to take broken things and put them back together. God is a redeemer. He wants to buy things back. And he said, I am a redemptive God, and I will restore the lost years, years of bad decisions. Somebody say amen. Years of hard times and bad things. God says, I can and will restore it. And this has always bothered me because I'm like, God, how do you do that? I don't understand this, this verse. And when you read about the word restore, I mean, you know, when you do a study on the word, it's good, but it doesn't really, it doesn't really open it up like I've always felt like in my spirit there was something a little more there. Years also speaks of generations. I will restore to you the years, the generations. It speaks of generations, things that hit your daddy and your granddaddy. How many's ever heard of generational blessings and generational things? And they talk about, well, my father or my granddad struggled with this. And they'll talk about a history of this or a history of that. And things that hit your daddy and your granddaddy, generational things. God says it doesn't matter what happened in the past. When you come to God and you lift it up to him and you say, God, this is an area of lack in my life or this is where the enemy has attacked me or this has been an open door into my life through generational type things. And, and, and Lord, I'm lifting it up to you now and I ask you to turn this thing around for my good. God says, I'll do it. He, he says it doesn't matter about the past. God says, I will turn that thing. I'll break that cycle, and I'll restore to you everything that you lost in the process. That's good. Come on, how many believe that today? The years. I will restore to you the years. You see, uh, God is the only one that can restore years back to you. I'm, I'm glad for... Uh, you know, they, you used to call it aerobics. Somebody said, you know, that, that's just a fancy word for saying jumping up and down, you know. <laughs> they charge a lot of money for jumping up and down. They call it aerobics, you know. Aerobics is good. 
I think everybody needs to get their heart rate up a little bit, you know, two or three times a week. Now I think it's called Tybo. I know Shanna does something called Tybo. And I try to do it, and I get all confused, and, and you know, I'm falling down. I'm, I got a lot of rhythm when I sing, but I can't dance worth anything, you know. Now they, call, they have all these places all over Atlanta called Zumba, you know. And I don't know what that is. <laughs> I don't know if it's just another word for belly dancing or what. I don't know, you know. That everybody's wanting to get young. Everybody's wanting to look good. But you can do with the aerobics and the Zumbas and all that all day long, but it will not restore years to you. Botox is good. I mean, everybody needs to get a little Botox, I think, you know. I mean, plump this up and do all that and get rid of it. I mean, you don't even know what's real on people anymore, you know. <laughs> but Botox can only, they, they can kind of make you look like you've been restored. <laughs> they can also make you look like a train wreck, I think, you know. <laughs> that, that part on Christmas with the cranks. Where uh, what's his name? He got the Botox, and you know the, the it's just he takes a drink and it just pours out of his mouth. You know, Botox. I think all these things are great, but they can't restore years. I mean, know what I'm talking about. And I I have a joke here that I have. I'm not a big jokester, but I have I have to read this. And you can turn it around and make it either way, man or woman. It doesn't matter. This is just the way that I heard the joke. An Amish boy and his father were visiting them all. <laughs> Pastor Ron must have heard it before. They were amazed by almost everything they saw, but especially by two shiny silver walls that could move apart and back together again. The boy asked his father, what is this father? The father, never having seen an elevator before, responded, son, I have never seen anything like that in my life. I don't know what it is. While the boy and his father were watching wide-eyed, an elderly lady in a wheelchair rolled up to the moving walls and pressed a button. <laughs> the walls opened and the lady rolled between them into a small room. The walls closed and the boy and his father watched small circles of light with numbers above the walls light up. They continued to watch the circles light up in the reverse direction. The walls opened again and a beautiful 24-year-old woman stepped out. <laughs> the father, not taking his eyes off the young woman, said quietly to his son, Go get your mother. <laughs> now you can turn it around and say, Go get your father. You know, we, 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 we'll offend men and women here today. But how many know only God can restore years, amen? We can get nipped and tucked until we don't even look like ourselves anymore, and we will not restore the years. And this has always bothered me because God said, if God would have said, I'll restore a car, that's one thing. Or God would have said, I'll restore a house, or I'll restore some money that you lost. But God went all the way, I mean all the way to the impossible. How many know what I'm talking about? And he said, I'll restore something that is physically and naturally and scientifically and aerodynamically and every other thing you can think of impossible. I will turn back time, and I will restore the years. Everybody say years. Hmm. Now, one of the ways God says that he's going to do this is by sending rain. Because he says right here, 
He says, and I will send to you the latter rain and the former rain in the first month. Now, I don't know a lot about rain. I'm not a meteorologist, but God says he's going to use rain to restore some things. The latter rain and the former rain together. And I don't want to spend a lot of time here, but I believe he's saying that he's going to bring some extra showers is what he's saying. It's not just the latter rain and then the former rain, but he's saying, I'm going to bring it together. I'm going to, I'm going to accelerate the rain. I'm going to accelerate the, the dew from heaven. I'm going to accelerate the blessings. I'm going to hasten some things up because if I didn't hasten it up, you wouldn't be restored in time to do and be what I've called you to do in these last days. He's saying, I want to hasten some things. I want to accelerate the rain, God's saying, so I can speed up the harvest. You see, if he just let the rain fall at the regular intervals like it always did, the harvest would always come like it always came. But he's going to speed up the rain so that he can speed up your harvest. How many need an accelerated harvest? Uh, God, I can't wait in 90 days or four months. Uh, God, I need you to move in this situation now. I need you to accelerate this thing now. God's saying, I'm going to accelerate that thing. You see, in John, in John 4, Jesus said, don't say four months. Well, I'm waiting on my harvest. I'm, I'm going to get a harvest. I'm going to go out there and reap a harvest. But like Pastor Rhonda was saying, now is the time for the harvest. Queen, for a day is the time for the harvest. Don't say one day I'm going to be a soul winner. Say today I'm a soul winner. Today I've got a harvest coming in. Amen? Come on, say it. Today. Today I've got a harvest coming in. God's accelerating my blessing. He said, look now. Everybody say now. He's can't, see, what God's doing is he's canceling out the waiting time. If he sends the former rain and the latter rain together, the latter rain only comes for the harvest. So by sending the latter rain, what is he saying is the harvest is now. You can't wait and you can't say, well, one day or someday, you've got to say, today I'm going to step out in faith. Today I'm going to believe God for something big. Today I'm going to get my harvest. Amen? Come on, that's good preaching. Y'all got to say amen. He's canceling out the waiting time. That's why he's saying, I'm going to pour out my spirit. He's going to pour it. Now, time is something natural that can't be recovered. We know that. But just bear with me for these last few minutes. This is really where I want to get. I really preached all that other stuff so I could get right here. Is that okay? It's kind of like a, just a, the, the appetizer. I begin to question this verse. And I want you to just hang with me just for a minute. How many of you hang with me? As God says, he, he says, I will restore to you the years. Well, that's a promise. I want to figure out how to claim that. Because I want some things restored. I want some years restored. I know I look 19. But I'm not 19. I want, I want everything between like five years old and now restored. <laughs> how many can say amen? God says... <clears throat> He is the Alpha and the Omega. Amen? He says that in Revelation. I am the Alpha, which is the first letter of the Greek alphabet. 
the omega, which is the last letter of the alphabet. In other words, he's saying, I am the beginning and the end. Everything begins with me and everything ends with me. He says, I am the beginning and the end. The Bible says in Isaiah 46, verse 10, that God declares the end from the beginning. In other words, God goes all the way to the end and declares it from the beginning. He already tells you how everything's going to end up. What do you think the book of Revelation is? If you don't believe me, turn to Genesis 3.15. Turn to Genesis 3.15. Let me show you something. Let me show you a, a quick scripture. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. God says this right here. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Well, we know prophetically that this is speaking about who? Jesus Christ. Jesus was the seed of a woman that crushed Satan's head and it bruised his heel on the cross him dying and suffering like that Jesus was God was already declaring something that was that hadn't happened in our time for 4,000 years it was not going to happen for 4,000 years and yet God you think you think God was taken by surprise about Adam and Eve and he just came up with this off the top of his head He's standing there in front of Adam and Eve who sinned and instantly the very thing he says was that you're going to have a, the seed and the seed is going to come out and the seed is going to bruise the serpent's head and he was prophetically declaring Jesus was going to die on the cross. The Bible says Jesus is the Lamb of God slain from when? Was Jesus crucified at the foundation of the world? No, he was crucified about 2,000 years ago. As far as I can tell, that wasn't the beginning, the foundation of the world. Yet God declared that Jesus was the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. Why does he do that? Because God's not talking about time. Let me, let me help you here. You see, we, and I don't want to get too crazy with all this. I'm not a scientist or anything. But we, we deal with time and space. I mean, understand that. We deal with the time and space and present. In other words, I'm standing behind the pulpit at whatever, you know, it is. Well, I can't stand behind the pulpit and stand over here at the same time. Totally impossible, right? I have to be in one place or the other. I'm right here. I'm over here. I can only operate in time and space. That's the way God created it, right? God, on the other hand, God, God deals with time and space and the present like we do, but God also is in the past and the future and in eternity at the same time. You see, we, we live on about two or three levels. God lives on like six or seven different levels. And I don't have time to go into that, but I'll show you some scriptures here. God exists in all of these areas at the same time, and he moves in and out of each one with ease. God's not limited by time and space. I love this quote that says, God created time for us to keep everything from happening all at once. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 says this, that to God a day is as a thousand years, 
and a thousand years is as a day. We've all heard that. What does that mean? Well, let's look at it this way. Matthew chapter 17, let's look at Mount of Transfiguration. On the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus is standing on the mountain, and all of a sudden, the mountain lights up like this, and God's glory begins to shine. And here's Moses standing on one side, and Elijah standing on the other side. And Peter, James, and John are looking at this, and they get all freaked out. Now, they immediately knew who Moses was, and they immediately knew who Elijah was. They weren't angels. They immediately knew who they were. And man, Peter says, whoa, let's build a tabernacle right here, baby. This is awesome. But now listen, Moses had been dead for 1,500 years. And yet here he is, 1,500 years later, standing there with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. Obviously, there's another level that we don't live in, right? Now listen to this. Elijah had not been dead because Elijah's never died. Elijah had been gone almost 900 years from this plane that we live in called time and space. Now, it kind of blows my mind because I don't even have an idea where Elijah is right now. He's not in heaven because he's in his fleshly body in heaven. The flesh can't inherit the kingdom of God. I, can anybody tell me where Elijah is? God has taken him. How many will agree with me that there is more than what we see and touch with our hands and our eyes? The Bible says Elijah was just taken up before God in his fleshly body. Elijah, well, most scholars agree that he will be one of the witnesses that come back in the last days and is killed and lays out in the street for three days because it's appointed unto man once to die. And most scholars agree that it's Elijah and Enoch because Enoch walked with God and was not for God took him. Enoch and Elijah's never died. How many, how many knew that? Never died. They were taken away in their physical body. Now, I don't want to stay on that too long, but that's the kind of stuff that just blows my mind. I mean, that's like Perry Stone to the 14th power. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and if Perry won't preach on it, I better stay away from it. You know what I'm <laughs> Those are the kind of things I'm like, what? What, Elijah's been just like, where's he at? Just like floating around in a cave somewhere for, you know, 4,000 years? But what this shows us is that God knows how to move in and out from time and eternity at will. And he can also move people in and out of time and eternity. So what are you saying? God's going to take us in? No, I'm not saying that. But what I'm wanting to show you is that God operates on a whole different plane. The Bible says his ways are higher than our ways. And, and we don't understand it. But when we're looking at something, you know, to us an hour's a long time. To God, it's not even a second how many understand that because he's dwelling in eternity I love I love I love thinking about this now he said to, he said to uh, Moses when Moses said who can I tell him that sent me over in Exodus he said I am that I am I am who I am I am tell him I am sent you that 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 I will be who I will be. I am. It's derived from the verb to be. It's a, now listen, this is a continuous present tense. I am that I am. A continuous present tense. 
It's like Hebrews 13 and 8 where it says that Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Well, the, the yesterday, today, and forever is, an, is the noun which makes that word the same. But it could also mean again. Jesus Christ again today. Jesus Christ again tomorrow. Jesus Christ again forever. He's always. How many understand that? It is the continuous present tense. Everybody say, I am. See, see, Jesus said it in John 8, 58. He used the same exact thing. He said before Abraham was, I am. I am yesterday, I am today, and I am tomorrow. You see, it's, it's, it's the continual now. We have tomorrow. We've got yesterday. Yesterday's the past. Tomorrow's the future. And today's the present, right? God lives in the eternal now, which means this. A million years ago to God is now. A million years from now, this way is now to God. And right here is now. I mean, understand that. God is back in the garden with Adam and Eve declaring that the, that, that the seed of the woman is going to bruise the serpent's head. He's also with Christ at Calvary while it's going on. He was also right with you when you accepted Christ as your Savior. And he's also sitting at the marriage supper of the Lamb with you. And he's also in the new Jerusalem as it's coming down out of heaven all in the now. Everybody say amen. So what Jesus did was he stepped into time and space for 33 years so that he could destroy the works of the devil. Now, God is on the outside of time and space in eternity, dwelling in the now. He's, he's also part of time and space, but he lives in eternity. Now, this is what really excited me when I began to think about how God sits in eternity and he looks down on us. How many's ever seen a timeline of somebody's life? And you can see, well, this is where they were born and this is where, you know, this happened and this is where, and here's where they died. And you look at that timeline like this. Well, they could have been 80 years old. But you can look at a whole timeline of their life just in three seconds. That's what God does. You, you looked at an 80-year time span in one second. How many understand what I'm talking about? 80 years, boom, there it is. It wasn't anything. God declares the end from the beginning. God is at the beginning of our life and at the end of our life all at the same time because he's in eternity. I want, I want uh, Austin, can you put that graph up? I want, to, I want to show you this graph right. How many can see that? God, see, the, the circle is God. Over here, God's in the bottom. God's all around in eternity. And then here's time. And then here's our life on this, this time frame. And when I think about how, God, how can you restore the years? And I begin to think about in the New Testament, there's another word that's redeem. He tells us in Ephesians to redeem the time. There's that word again about time and redeeming the time. In other words, he tells us, redeem the time for the days are evil, says in Ephesians. So that word redeem there means the same, to buy back. And it also means this. See, the word there, redeem, and I, I got to give it to you like this, is, is the word, it's, it's uh, 
if I can say it, it's it's Kairos. It's not uh, it's not talking about chronological time. It's actually talking about uh, opportunity. It's a due measure is used in a fixed and definite period and is translated in Galatians 6.10 and Hebrews 11.15 as opportunity. Now listen, I believe this is what God does. I believe God takes up all of our opportunities that we missed and I believe he places them back in front of us. Oh, I love this. I love this. You see, when God, a child of God that is redeemed or bought back, and I've heard this my whole life, you know, that a, that a Christian doesn't have a past, all they have is a future. And I love this. I've, I've, I've got a way that I want to explain this. Let me, let me have some help here. I need, I need four or five guys. Now, if you can get this today, I believe it'll change your outlook, outlook on, on the things that God's got for you. Can you take this blue one? I need four or five guys. I need, I need four or five guys to jump up here. I need, I need two guys up here, I think right here. And let me have uh, four or five guys. Come on. Yeah, don't everybody jump at once. All the good-looking men get up here real quick. <laughs> all the smart men, all the good-looking. All right, here's. All right, we'll take these guys. No. <laughs> All right, who else? I need, I probably need, uh, yeah, come on in here, Ev and Nazarite. Yeah. <laughs> right here. I'll take this blue one. Take this blue right here. And just, I need you to make a circle, okay? Here you go. Need to make, need to make, grab it and just pass it on down and make a circle right here. Just like this. It don't matter. Just, just make a circle. Amen. Now, what I'm, what I'm making here is time. Go ahead. Let's make, don't, don't break it. Just make a circle. Yeah. Yeah, y'all can spread on out. Spread on out. Yeah, go just walk on back. There you go. There you go. Yeah, yeah. It's it well it don't have to be. Go ahead, grab it and, and walk that way, brother, if you would. Yeah. All right, now let me have a couple other guys that's not bashful. This brother here and this and brother Johnny there. I'll just start a, a I'll just start a pointing. How's that sound? Yeah, just uh let's I want you to make a straight line right here. This is good this is gonna be yeah, back on up. We need to make it a little bigger. So back on up. Yeah, and just walk, make a straight line right here. There you go. Right here. There you go. So th what I'm trying to do is make a 3D version of what's on the what's on the on the graph there. You just make a straight line right here. There you go. There you go. Right like that. Yeah, go ahead and come on around with it. There you go. Now we got them. There you go. Go ahead and pull it tight. Now this this is time right here. See, God dwells out here in eternity. And this is, our, this is time. This is where we live. This is planet Earth. And this is where we live. This is our life right here. Here you are right here. You're, you're born as a, you know, you're, you're very young when you were born. You were a baby. You know, you don't remember it, right? So here you are. You're born. And then, then around here, you know, you, you graduate from high school. And, you know, here you go through your, your 20s and your 30s, whatever. You get married right here. You know, you, you, whatever. You retire and you have a bunch of grandkids and whatever. And then you, you pass away. So here's your timeline all the way right here, right? Can be summed up right here. Here's your time frame right here. What we do is, when I believe this is what God does, and this is what blessed me so much, the word there, restore, it means to buy up. 
And it means to increase opportunities is what it means. Or improve your opportunities. That word redeem there restores kairos. It means to improve your opportunities. It doesn't, it doesn't literally mean that God places you in that alternate dimension. How many know everybody would love to believe in time travel, right? We'd love to believe there's an alternate dimension out there where there's a younger us somewhere that made a lot better decisions, right? We'd love to believe that. How many know that doesn't, that doesn't exist? How many understand that? How many science fiction buffs do we have here? Am I, am I crushing your balloon? It just does not exist, you know. But what God does, is he does this right here. Because when we bring it to God and we say, Lord, here's my life. Lord, take this. Lord, I, I, I'm not, I didn't really end up where I wanted to end up, Lord. And Lord, all these mistakes that I've made, Lord, I, I give them to you right now. Lord, I've got this famine in my life. And Lord, I want you to, I need you to turn this thing around. And we begin to lift it up before the Father. We begin, you know, we, we get out of the funk of the, oh, if this would have happened, and oh, if that, or the what if this, and what about that, or if I hadn't have done that, or if that hadn't happened here. And we look at all these areas in our life, and we look back, and we say, oh, well, if that first half of my life, if I'd have done better, then the second half of my life would have been better. And we look at all this and we, we spend a lot of time looking back on this part of our timeline. But the Bible says when we lift it up to him and we begin to say, God, here it is. And he applies his blood to our life. And we get in the word and we begin to confess the word that greater is he that's within me than he that's within the world. And I'm more than a conqueror and no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And the word begins to get in us. The Bible says, this is what I believe. This is what I believe. Oh, I need some, was there some tissue around here? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a mess here for a second. Is that all right? All right, here's what, here's what I believe. I believe that God, right at the beginning, God just drapes all of these blessings in our way. He just drapes them all. Man, we've got so much favor, and oh, we've got so much promise, and so much potential, and oh, what are you going to do when you do this? And oh, and he drops all these blessings, and we have all this that lay in before us like this. And then we look back and we say, man, I blew it. And then we come before the Father and we hear something like where God says, I will restore everything, all these years. We're like, wow, oh, if that could only happen. Oh, if that, oh, I might as well just settle. I might as well, the devil just says just settle. You might as well settle for lack. And you might as well settle for, 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 for a hindrance. And Oh, you're never going to do this. You're never going to soar on wings of eagles. You could have soared, but you're not going to soar now because of all this junk back here. The devil's whispering in our ear, you, you can't, you never will. You might as well settle. You might as well just hope for the best. But the Bible says if we lift it up to him, we say, God, here it is right here. God, I can't do it. Lord, I, I know the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. And Lord, I know you said that there's an anointing that'll break and destroy every yoke. And God, I know you promised to make me the head and not the tail. You promised, Lord, that I would be blessed and prosperous. Lord, you promised it. The Bible says this is what he does. Listen, he'll restore the years. I believe he goes back and he picks up 
up that opportunity that you missed. Uh, and I believe, see, this is what he does. God's out here like this, sitting on the throne of the universe. Uh, he's in eternity. What he does, remember, he can step in and out of time and eternity at will like this. Uh, he, can, he can take Moses out of heaven and bring him down into time and set him on a mountain. Who knows where Elijah is? Dear God, he can go find Elijah and bring him out of wherever he is and stick him on the mountain with Moses who is in a totally different area. Don't tell me God can't do it. Ezekiel, and I didn't want to get into this because I didn't, I didn't write down all the references. Ezekiel had a vision. How many know the vision? And he was measuring or he's going to the temple, he bumps into a guy while he's in the vision. How many know what I'm talking about? That's John the Revelator having the same vision a thousand years later. Read your Bible. Ezekiel is having a vision and he bumps into a guy measuring the temple. That's John the Revelator. God gave John the Revelator and Ezekiel 1,500 years apart the same vision at the same time. Now, that'll blow your mind. Study that. Sorry, I didn't look up the reference, so I can't give it to you. This is what God does. He steps out of eternity into time, and he picks up all those opportunities that you missed. This is what restore the years means. It means he brings them back over here on the other side, where this is where you lifted it up before the Lord and say, God, here, I'm yours. Save me, deliver me, heal me, restore me, make my life brand new. He picks up all those blessings. Listen to me. And he comes over like this, and he places them right here in front of you. Now they're not behind you. Now they're in front of you. And now you're stepping into the promises of God and then he steps back over here in eternity and sits on his throne and says now I'm going to see him walk it out by faith he said I will restore I will improve your opportunities listen to me as a child of God you don't have limited opportunities brother I'm not living life like the world's living, the, living their life. All I've got is a few bucks in my pocket, and I'm going to can all I get and get all I can, and I'm in a survival mode. No, I'm not in a survival mode. My father's the king of the universe, and he's improved my future. He said, I'll restore everything that you lost. I'll restore it. No, you know, no more regret because it's not behind you. It's over here in front of you. In other words, you're stepping into it. You're not leaving that blessing. You're not leaving that missed opportunity. Brother, you're stepping into that missed opportunity. You're stepping into the favor of God. Don't tell him what God's got blessed for you in 2012. My opportunities are improved. I'm not just kind of uh, hoping for the best. No, God has taken everything that I've missed. God's taken every one of those things, and he's brought them around here, and now I'm stepping into them. How many believe that today? How many believe God's a God that restores? 
He restores the years, brother. He restores the years. He restores the missed opportunities. He restores them. And he improves your opportunity. My outlook is looking better and better. My tomorrow is looking better and better. My next year is looking better and better. The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come, brother. The best is yet to come. God takes it all and puts it ahead of us and says there ain't nothing but goodness. Oh, goodness and mercy's following me. The favor of the Lord's going before me. That's why I can cast all my care on him. That's why I can take that anxiety and that, anxi- that, that care about my future, about that job, uh, about that recommendation, uh, about that money. I just place it on him. Say, God, go ahead, restore it. Somewhere in the back, the enemy stole it a few years ago uh, by my stupidity. Uh, and God, just go ahead and place that back in front of me because I missed it. Uh, so now I'm stepping into it, brother. Now I'm stepping into my blessing. Oh, yeah, you got to get this thing, man. In other words, to restore means to give again. I'm going to give it again. I'm going to give it back to you. I'm going to take that and I'm going to give it to you again. You missed it the first time. Now I'm going to give it to you again. That's called grace and mercy. How many know what I'm talking about? Give these guys a hand. Give these guys a hand. Y'all don't have to keep standing there. Y'all can set that down. That's all right. Uh, you can just set it down. Just wad it up and throw it up here. Y'all don't have to roll it up. That'd take too much time. Yeah. It, it, I'm talking to someone in here today whose vision has died. See, God says unless, unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it abides alone. Jesus was referring to himself that he had to die for there to be a resurrection. But also everything in us has to die. Most of the time our dreams and visions has to die before God can resurrect them because he's got to get us out of the way. If you could do it, you would have done it already. But he's got to bring you to the end of yourself uh, where you look up and say, if it happens, it's because God did it. And then when it happens, uh, you lift up your hands and you say, it wasn't me. It was God that brought me through. God restored me. God blessed me. God gave back to me. The devil is the one who steals and kills. Let's get it straight here. The devil is the one who wants to destroy you, not God. God wants to restore, not destroy. I loved when I played games. My my brothers and sisters... Pastor Ronda never liked to play games with me. <laughs> they always said Jeff cheated. <laughs> no, what I would do is I always found a way to bend the rules a little bit. I, I didn't really like to call it cheating. That's a little harsh. <laughs> I would like to call it sleight of hand or changing the rules a little bit. But I always loved when I was a kid to say do over how many remember that as a kid playing basketball you was playing horse or something and I mean the shot just went you're like oh do over 
And most of the time it'd say, no, no, I'm going to do it over. I don't care what you say, I'm going to do it over. I'm telling you, as a child of God, God wants to give you a do-over. I love this. I love the movie Back to the Future. I think it's a cool movie. And if you, how many's ever seen that movie? Uh, if you watch the movie, there at the beginning of the movie, everything's wrong, isn't it? Everything's wrong. I mean, is, is, they, they live in a dump, and and their their parents are struggling. But I don't remember the end of the movie. He wakes up. His his parents are playing tennis. Whatever that means, I don't know. His dad just wrote a book. His brother works at the the bank. His sister's got a lot of girlfriends. He's got his brand new dream truck sitting in the garage. How many know what I'm talking about? All because he went back and tweaked a few things. How many know what I'm talking about? We all wish we could go back and just tweak a few things. It don't take a lot. I just wish I could go back and and just tweak that. Go here instead of over there. Say no instead of saying yes. I, I just there was a couple of things there. I just wish I could wish I could have tweaked that. If I could have just tweaked that, then everything would be different. And that's what that movie was that's what I got out of that movie. When he wakes up and everything's different, he's like, Whoa. All because I went back and tweaked a few things. We know we can't go back. But God can. God can step out of eternity into time and say, you know that thing that I meant for you? I meant for you to have that. I placed that in your DNA and that belonged to you. I'm going to pick that up. I'm going to step into eternity. I'm going to come over here and I'm going to place it before you again. And as a child of God, we don't have a past of missed opportunities. What we have is a future of favor and blessing before us, stepping into the promises of God. I believe, now this is me, because I've never, have you ever heard anybody preach this before? I've never really heard anybody preach this before. I'm not saying it's mine. I know there's no new revelation. But I, this is what I believe. I believe today, as we release our faith, because God's honored by faith, and with revelation, you act on that revelation or you act on that knowledge. I believe today God can step out of eternity. I mean, no, he does it just like that. I mean, Jesus, they didn't plan the Mount of Transfiguration. I believe that we can believe for God to step into our past, gather up all those missed opportunities. Now, are they going to look the same? I don't think so. They can't. Different time, different place. But what God meant for you to have that you've missed along the way, I believe God will pick it back up and place it before you and lead you as the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. God will lead you back into blessings he meant for you to have that you've never had. I really believe that. I believe as I release my faith, God reaches back and puts another blessing in front of me like this. 
How many can believe for that today? How many can really believe for that today? That God is a supernatural God and he is the I am. He's back there in your past just like he's right here and he's in your future at the same time. Of course he can do it. There's nothing too hard for God. If you believe that, stand to your feet right now. How many believe that God wants to restore the years to you right now? He wants to restore and improve your opportunities. Listen to me. He wants to improve your opportunities. A lot of you said, oh, if I'd have just went to college. Oh, if I'd have just got this degree. Or if I'd have had that job. Let me tell you something. God wants to restore and improve your opportunities today. So that when you walk out of here, what you see is a new horizon of favor and grace and blessings and opportunities and giftings just waiting for you to step into. That's a child of God. Come on, close your eyes right now and lift up your hands. I believe this with all my heart. I really do. The Bible says according to your faith. Come on up here and let's just get a little music going. And I know I've went a little long. I'm not going to prolong this, but I want, I want you to believe for God to do this in your life right now. If you believe this, listen to me. If you believe this, I want you to take a step of faith right now. And I want you to step out here in the front right here in the altar area. If you believe it, I want you to take a step of faith. I don't care if we fill the altar up. 